Hello and welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. I'm afraid that Gordon can't be with us this week, but he should be back with us very soon. So I'm afraid you're stuck with me. Hi folks, this time I want to clear up some misunderstandings about video frame rates and show you how easy they are to understand so you can get on with shooting video. For those of us who are predominantly stills photographers, we're all typically aware of how many frames per second our still camera can shoot in what folks like to call burst or continuous shooting mode. Because the best photographs have certain qualities, timing being one of them, continuous shooting was developed initially to advance the film to the next frame, recock the shutter and shoot to help photographers capture movement, live action, sports, that sort of thing. Back in the days of film, four and a half to five frames per second was incredible, requiring an additional device that attached to the bottom of the camera with a motor in it, and that also housed a large battery pack. These devices fit certain use cases so well, it was not uncommon to see a whole roll of 36 frames of film be used up in just over nine seconds. For fun, we used to print each frame, back then as three and a half by five prints, and then put them in order with a spring clip on the leading edge. Then you can flip through them really quickly as you might riffle a deck of cards, and you'd see a little movie. For children, this idea was manifested in things called flipbooks. Some of us may be old enough to remember those. Then of course came digital, and shortly thereafter went small prints to the great shoebox in the sky. People stopped printing. With digital came the elimination of the need to advance the physical film, and that led us to continuous digital shooting, where we started out with about as many frames per second as a very expensive SLR film camera with a motor drive would have had just a few years before. Today, we regularly find digital cameras capable of shooting from seven frames per second up to over 20 frames per second. Photographers have no trouble embracing this, and they don't think anything about the pain of editing or deleting all the frames one will never use for stills work. At this point, you're probably asking, well, that's nice. How does this relate to video? Video is actually the same thing, only at nominally less resolution, but with much higher frame rates. Most current digital cameras can shoot 4K at 30 frames per second, and some can go faster. Drop the resolution down to 2K, also known as Full HD or 1080, and we're going to see up to 240 frames per second available. Drop to a smaller sensor, and you can get cameras that will do up to 960 frames per second. Those feeling the need for speed love this, even if they don't know why one might shoot at these frame rates. In order to keep our conversation simple, let's talk about general use video, which is commonly 30 frames per second. Now, if you live in North America and Japan, NTSC broadcasting has to reclock that to 29.97 frames per second. That seems complicated, but most of us aren't shooting for broadcast. We're viewing our videos on computers and smartphones. That reclocking is not really significant anymore for the majority of us. Consequently, in our conversation today, we're going to talk about 30 frames per second for video. Now let's say your stills camera can do 10 frames per second 
just to keep the math easy. This means the same camera can do three times as many frames in a second in video mode as in still mode. How can that be? Why is there a difference? The difference has everything to do with the final resolution of each frame. When we shoot a still in a camera, whether we shoot in RAW or JPEG, we're using the entire sensor for image capture because we paid for megapixels and because many people still think that megapixel count matters a lot more than it actually does. So if our camera is rated at 20 megapixels and we are shooting in RAW, the file size for frame, per frame is going to be about 20 megabytes. At 10 frames per second, we get a new 20 megabyte file every one tenth of a second for as long as we hold the button down or until the buffer in the camera fills up. In a simple model, that means in one second of shooting, we're gonna get 10 frames with a total storage demand of roughly 200 megabytes. With video, we're gonna choose our resolution up front. As I mentioned, what we call Full HD is the same as 1080, which is the same as 2K. And each frame of 2K video is about two megabytes. Therefore, in one second of video, at 30 frames per second, we get 30 unique frames with a total storage demand of roughly 60 megabytes. Lower resolution takes less space. It's, it just makes sense. But wait, that doesn't make sense to me, you say. My camera has a 20 megapixel sensor, but you're telling me that if I shoot 1080 video, each frame is only two megabytes or about two megapixels. I paid for 20. How's this working out? Well, in fact, your math is correct. You did pay for 20 megapixels, but you're not asking the camera to deliver 20 megapixels for video. How it happens is that depending on the resolution you choose, only some portion of the sensor is actually used in the frame capture. This is done in different ways by different makers, but the two most common methods are called line skipping and pixel binning. I won't take the time here to explain them in detail, simply because most folks couldn't care less, and because when we watch the video, it still looks pretty darn good. One of the things that drove the adoption of 4K, and is starting to drive 8K, is the demand for higher resolution. A 4K single frame is roughly eight megabytes in size, and so about eight megapixels. This is what top-line cameras were delivering for individual stills just over 12 years ago. So take a 4K frame capture, show it to a generic viewer, they're gonna tell you, yeah, that looks good. And they're not gonna be able to tell you it's a frame grab from a video versus a still. While the cost of going 8K is still ridiculously high, it is the next bar and this is where the manufacturers are going to be pushing. This means that each image is gonna be roughly 32 megapixels and about 32 megabytes in size. And that's gonna mean a very different camera will be needed to do this right. Consequently, we're not gonna worry about that today. We'll keep our conversation maxed out at 4K. Now we know that the camera we already have can probably do video at a faster frame rate than our top continuous shooting speed. We also know that unless we're making big prints, 
No one is going to be able to tell the difference between a print from a 20 megapixel still and an eight megapixel video capture. We view stuff, not as prints, but on low resolution output. Some folks have gone to 4K TVs and some computers have 4K capable displays and video cards, but the vast majority of us are still working in 2K. Think about your monitor. 1920 by 1080. Pretty common, right? Think about the size of your smartphone. It may have higher resolution, but the screen's so freaking small, you wouldn't be able to see the difference anyway. You show the exported image on a TV, or a computer, or a smartphone, and it looks great. If that's true, why not shoot some video instead of, or in addition to, stills? Because we now understand frame rate, we can see why we might want to do that. There are folks who are going to poo-poo video as not being creative. In their minds, they are correct because their minds are closed. But if we consider the areas of growth in media, it's not growing in stills. The big demand is for video. Now I can shoot 12 megapixel stills and 4K video on my smartphone which has a teeny tiny sensor and it looks really good. What if I shoot on a larger sensor with larger pixels, with better light gathering and better lenses? Well, I'm only gonna see improvement. And now I could be shooting multiple frames, more frames per second at purely acceptable resolution that also become little clips in movies. Now, I certainly advocate learning to edit video the same way you learn to edit photos. But the reality is not everybody wants to do that. They want to take the video off the card and share it. No edits, no titles, no voiceovers, just the video as it came out of the camera. They just want to take that little clip they shot. They're not trying to make a big production out of it. They want to post it on Facebook or on Instagram just like zillions do with smartphone-captured content every day. Well, guess what? The file formats are the same. It's JPEGs for stills and MP4s for video. That's what the camera is making itself. No extra work is required on your part. But bigger sensor, same frame rate, 30 frames per second. You're going to have better quality video for no more work. So riddle me this. You have a camera already that likely shoots better video than your smartphone. It definitely shoots better stills than your smartphone. All the same, you're really happy with the quality that's coming out of the smartphone, despite it not having interchangeable lenses and the ability to control depth of field and the ability to control ISO. You don't have that level of granular control, even in the better smartphones. But wait, you've already got it right now. You have better right now. Why aren't you using it? I don't know, because there's really no excuse. If you have ever put your camera in continuous shooting mode and held that button down, you've already stepped part of the way into video, except the video, when you run it all together, 
is going to look a lot better. Talk to you all soon. In the meantime, stay safe and go image something. For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, I've been Ross. Be well. Thank <music> you.